0: Okay,
1: so uh, I think I'm going to start and um, I'm here to speak about the current situation and about silence, the sounds of silence, because silence is a big value to us. And um, there has been a new claim and we're going to speak about it, um, that silence is violence specifically in this case. So we need to know when silence is something that we should hold by when we should be speaking, when we shouldn't be speaking. And uh, the reason why I think this is so important is because no matter where you are politically, but I think that right now we need to not forget the value, especially in this time, and in general, the value of silence. So no matter what you think we should say, we shouldn't say, how we should say, um, we always need to remember that according to Judaism, Silence is a value and we can't forget that because there's a lot of speaking. So someone actually told me uh, this week, did you hear about this new thing called silence is violence? So I said, "Um, yes, I did. So then I said, "Um, but you know, it's not always violent if I'm listening. You know, what what if I'm listening to the noise? Is that violent? And of course it isn't. If I'm listening to somebody who's in pain, and I'm being quiet, I'm definitely not being violent. In fact, most violence has come from speaking, not from the lack of speaking. And right now we're living in a time where there's so much noise, especially online. I mean, this week I was really excited for Shabbat. I was talking about it before Shabbat because it was just it was just everywhere. There was so much noise. And you should know that too, you know, last week we had Shavuot, so After Shabbat, we heard about what was going on. Uh, Actually, are you hearing an echo? Is everyone hearing an echo in my voice? Okay, I'm going to fix that. Yes. Yes, yes. It's it's
0: better now?
1: There was an echo before? Yep. Okay. So um, everyone was telling me, um, you know, different things. And I just feel that when there's so much noise, just like in a normal relationship or in a home or anywhere you are, when there's so much noise, No one's listening. And really, uh, that's the way that it is today. It's so much more of people being able to speak than people being able to listen. You know, everyone's speaking and not that many people are listening. In fact, no one's listening, right? The social media is all about putting your voice out there and you might get a lot of likes, but you don't even know how much someone actually listened to you. You might say something, but how much do they really listen to your voice? I don't know. We don't know. Did they take it to heart? We don't know. The main thing is that you spoke. So um, I think that there's a lot of platform for speaking, but not that much for listening. We talk about freedom of speech. Does anyone talk about freedom to listen? You know, It's such a value today to be able to speak, but we forget about the value of listening. God gave us two eyes, two ears. And one mouth specifically, it's the only limb in the body, which has boundaries before you actually open. It It has a soft boundary, which is the lips, and then a hard boundary called the uh, teeth. And then finally you get to this thing called the tongue, which allows you to speak. So all the other parts of your body is just, it's free for all, but um, not when it comes to uh, your mouth. That's something which is actually made with boundaries. God specifically made it that way so that we should be able to listen much more than we speak. And I'll be speaking about that here. So I just want to throw in, and I'm not going to get political at all because that's what I try not to do. I'm a religious man and I think that politics is dangerous. And um, the issue right now is that politics has become too political and that's the biggest problem. For instance, I'll give you an example. People ask me, so what are you? Whenever they have a conversation just this week, someone wanted to speak to me about COVID-19. And before he said anything, he first asked me, what are you? So that he knows how he can speak to me. Because if I'm different to the way he thinks, he's scared to speak. And I didn't like that. I said to him, what do you mean? What am I? I'm, I'm a Jew. So he says, no, I, you know, conservative or Democrat. I said, I'm Neither. Now, here goes the point, and I've said this many times, and I'm British, so I'm definitely not either, because I'm not from here. But, and I've said this many times, but here's the point that Benny, I always get one guy in the background who rolls his eyes and says, Yeah, come on, you're religious. I mean, of course, you're conservative. I've heard you speak, you're conservative. In fact, and I, my response to that is, in fact, as Jews, we were always much more um, liberal in our history as Jews, than we were conservative as, it, as a religious value. It was always much more on the liberal side throughout our history because we always stood for certain values that are very much in tune with, uh, the values that are on the other side, on the, on the other side for whoever thinks it's the other side, right? We, we, because today for some reason, when you look at a religious guy, you're thinking he is conservative. And, every, and, and you immediately box him that way. And it's unfair. It's unfair because we, we have certain values that, that have never changed. The value of being careful, each, careful for each other, caring for others, um, responsibility over others. The, these are values on both sides, should be on both sides. And, and these are values that we always stood for. Today, things have changed and we've been literally pushed into a corner, but we never were like that. And a Judaism shouldn't be, that's, that's really our problem right now. We have become this political thing. You know, I, I, I really, I honestly don't understand how the argument of COVID-19 is a political argument. This is, this is why he was asking me, what are you? And I really, I just don't understand how, how can COVID-19 be? Either you think that it's important that we stay inside and it's, you know, or you think it's not that bad and we're overreacting. Okay, but now it's morphed into, if you say that we should straight away all go to work and back to normal, everyone's conservative. Those people are conservative thinkings. And if, if you say that we should, it's not true. It's not true. There's many people on both sides that are thinking either way. There's many people that are conservative who have told me we should stay at home. This is really important. And there's many people who are more Liberal have said, "Let's uh, let's get out there and work. This is ridiculous. Small businesses need to work, but somehow it's it, it's morphed into this political debate, and it's really dangerous. This is this, I believe, is our problem. And I'll tell you why. I believe that politics has come so political, and and it's the same with this current movement that's going on right now." And even what, whilst I'm speaking right now, if somebody's listening, they won't listen to the whole thing because no one's got time anymore. But someone will translate what I'm saying as either more conservative or more liberal. It's not. These are values that I hold by and they shouldn't be labeled into corners. It, you know, If I look at somebody in their eyes and that, this is what I do. This is my job. This is what Shira does. This is our job. I look at somebody in their eyes and I don't see... A view, a political view. I see a mother. I see a father. I see somebody who who has children. They they have values. So so if you think that immediately somebody doesn't agree with you and you label them in a, in a certain way, either because you say that they're racist, or you say that they're what does the other side say? They're they're a snowflake, right? Which is what the other side would say. The conservatives would say about the Democrat. It, it, this is, this is ridiculous. This is labeling. It's not allowing conversation. And it's also cornering people into areas. And I'm saying this because there's many people on this chat right now, and, and in general, who have people in their family that can't communicate because they have different views in these areas. And it's, it's really dangerous. Just today, I was speaking to a guy who is more on the conservative side, but his family Some of his family are not. Some of his family are, and they've just more. They've just got this crazy argument going on in their family, and it's. This is your brother. This is your sister, and I think that if you move, if you remove politics, look at COVID-19. I'll I'll be able to have a normal conversation about COVID-19. Just take politics away and have a normal conversation. I personally think we shouldn't be on the streets too much yet. We should take our time. Many people have told me no. You. This is overreacting. So so we can have a normal conversation but the minute you put politics into it it's it's not allowing conversation to happen and we can't always throw in politics oh so you're more like how is how is uh, fauci and trump uh, going to help us with this argument of of covid-19 it's it's just so dangerous that we always throw in the politics into the debate and we corner people. Oh, if you think this way, you are like this, you are mean, you are horrible. Or if you're a, you're better or you're worse. And this is the danger. And it's the same thing with what's going on as well with, um, with the whole racist issue that's going on right now in the, in, in the country. And I'm, and I'm right now, as I speak, I'm not being political because you can see that I'm saying things from either side, but this is how we need to think. I, I i just don't understand how a movement which wants to stop um racism can become so political i just don't, why are we looking at it is it it's so hard to be empathetic no but if you are empathetic you can't you can't you can't say anything about the rioters and the looters because then it shows that you're being more onto one side and you're not thinking about the real situation, which is you can't condemn both. I just don't understand how we can't condemn both. No, nope, you have to, it, can I at least have the conversation? No. Nope. If by me saying that you have to condemn both, I've now, be, I'm labeled as a more conservative and more of a racist. It's ridiculous. How can I not have at least a conversation? You know, I'm scared, I'm scared to speak because the minute I speak, I'm gonna be labeled in some way. The, the police situation. So, so you don't like the way that the police work? Okay. I don't think that the reaction should be dismantle the police force. Did anyone ever thank them? Did any of those people thank them? Do you ever call them when you're stuck and you're in danger? Are you not grateful that they're keeping you safe right now? So if I ever, by me saying that, it's like I'm picking sides and I'm being racist. How, it's it's not true. I would just like, I would love to talk to someone without being judged as being on either side. I just wanna have a conversation. No, you can't talk. The minute you talk, we we need to look at each other in the eyes and say, yes, they have views that are different, but this must be a person that cares. No, half the country, according to half the, ha, according to half the country, the other half of the country is mad. And according to one half of the country, the other half of the country is mad. Not just mad, they're crazy, they're irrational, they're, they're insane. No, this is a human that's in front of us and we need to care. So... So that's, that's the problem right now. I I actually saw a rabbi shared with me, a student of his who posted, I've had enough with all of this political madness. No, they didn't even say political. madness. I had enough. I do not need to be a, a listener to every voice that is different to mine. So this is what I did. And they posted a link of all your, and you can go on the link. Anyone can go on the link and see all of your friends, any of your friends that like Trump's page. If you like Trump's bit, you could see and you should defriend them. That was like the statement. Go on the link and you can actually click on it and you see all of your friends they're like, how is that going to help in any way making the world a better place I mean I mean it, that means that anyone who has a different view than you is and I'm not saying that Trump is perfect I'm just, I'm just pointing out you lack it you believe in, in, in communication you believe in bettering the world so then why lock your conversation up to only people that are like you that makes no sense if you believe in a cause make sure that the people that don't believe in your cause listen and actually you listen to them too but don't be a and this is this is another problem that has become and I think it's partly to do with the way that the internet works but the digital world has definitely been a big part of this which is we create we basically created bubbles and this is not me saying this. I've heard this from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. And it's so true. We basically, how does the internet work? It finds groups of people, friends of ours. And it suggests only the things we like. If there's something you like, if you're, even if you're talking about it, somehow it listens to you, right? Has this ever happened to you? An ad pops up based on something which you spoke about. Has this happened to anyone here? Right? The ad pops up based on what you spoke about. Even if you speak about something, it finds things that are in your interest. And we basically built this bubble called me. And it, it finds only the friends that I like. And if I don't like them, I defriend them. It suggests only the materials that I like. And if I don't like them, it will not suggest them to me. And basically what is now happening is we're creating this extreme environment where only our circles are talking to each other. And anyone with an opposing view is never, shown, is never shown to me. They're completely shut down from my world. And that's an opening to ex- extremism. I'm literally being fed only the people that think like me, talk like me, are like me. And I'm, get, and I'm hearing their views all the time being posted. And, and I'm just seeing this one picture. But we're not seeing the other side. How many people in this, in this chat can say that they saw the other side of an argument? In, it's, it's basically only one... It's basically only one picture of the people, of your friends. And it's what we need to do is mainly, and I'm going to take this to myself, is mainly learn to listen. And second of all, um, not make our conversations political. Because the minute we do, we've cornered somebody. Oh, you're a conservative. Oh, you're, a, you're another liberal, right? And what we do is we don't allow that person to enter my space and to talk to me about what is bothering them and why they think the things. I'm telling you, I can never have done my job if I would have thought like that. Because I would have said, oh, you're not religious. So Why should I speak to you? I mean, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. Our job literally is all about listening to the other side, and and hearing what they have to say. I definitely have my views, and I'm very strong about them, and I I will not change. But imagine if our job was all about that. It was all about immediately judging and labeling somebody, and saying, okay, they're not fit for me to speak to, and walking away. I'll never have a job. It's literally about listening to the other side and hearing what they have to say. But unfortunately. We can't change other people. So even if you feel that you can change somebody or you can hear somebody, this is the situation. And I think that currently, especially, silence is actually a very good thing. It's actually a good thing. Believe it or not, let them tell us what they tell us. But I will tell you that silence is a good, a good thing. It's a valuable thing. Um, I believe that I've only lost by being silent. I've only lost by speaking up i have never lost by being silent. And it, and it happens, and it applies to right now as well in this current situation, we were pretty much, we were pretty much silent. And obviously we speak up, we have empathy, but I never, we never posted thousands of messages everywhere. We, and we never made this a conversation with most people because right now we just wanna listen. Is it bad? Is silence violence when I'm listening? Silence is not violence if I'm listening. If I go to a funeral home, it will be ridiculous to speak up and start speaking all the time. In a funeral home, it's time to listen. And actually, that's one of the Jewish laws. We're meant to listen in a time that someone's in pain. So if somebody's in pain, we've got to listen to them. So that is my thought about the current event. That's even before we start speaking about about what silence is and when it should be done. But are there any thoughts about what I just said? Is anyone angry with me now, with what I said?
0: <laughs> Natasha, I didn't go question. ahead. Oh, who else is there? Please. Oh, Jordan. Yeah. Okay. Natasha, you are next. So I agree that it's really terrible that it is the way that it is, where you have to basically get grouped into either completely one side or completely the other side. But if you want to kind of engage and become involved and also share your opinion while listening to others how do you do that in a system that's either going to say, okay, you have this view, therefore you're all the way here, or you have this view and you're all the way here. Like, how do you, how do you navigate that personally when you don't like that? system? I, I,
1: honestly, you want to know the answer? The answer is silence because, because whatever you say, you're going to be pushed into a corner and it's, and it's wrong. Okay. So there's certain times where you should be saying something, but most of what we, most of what people have said this week has been too loud. It's, fa- it's very fine to, give, uh, to be empathetic, but then to go beyond that and, and, and start screaming about your views about police and this and that and th- anything beyond that, it's, it should be very minimal. Uh, that's what I believe, because right now you are being, you're not being listened to, you're being cornered. And it's, it's unfair that it's like that. It's unfair for the communities that want to be listened to. It, it, the whole thing is morphed into a political debate it, with COVID-19 as well. Everything its just, it's mind blowing. Can we not just have a conversation? Can I just speak to you and look, look, I, I promise you, I care. I'm a father, I have kids. I, I know what people are like. I promise you, I care. Just don't call me a racist. Don't call me these names. Don't call me, I just want to talk to you. But 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 the minute that you open your mouth, you are, you are labeled and it's, it's mind blowing, you know? You are labeled if if you if you if you say anything. So you should definitely show empathy because that's a value within us. But anything beyond that needs to be really calculated. And silence is actually a beautiful thing. Anyone else? Any thoughts?
0: No, I always have thoughts. I'm not so good at the silence part, um, but I'm practicing um, oh, practicing to. Be careful with my words. Um, choose them wisely. But um, okay, so I'm, if I try and read the Hebrew, I will butcher it. But um, I'm going to try anyways. So lo ta'amod al dam. I'm, I'm like using it with an Italian accent, probably. Um, yes. So do not stand idly by. And I've I learned this um, from Jewish World Watch, which is an organization that. Mm -hmm. Um, helps people in Darfur uh, with their genocide and and everything that was going on with the people of Darfur. So I learned this at like age 12 or 13 when I was volunteering there and I took it to heart. Like, don't stand idly by has been kind of my motto in life. Um, My my words that I try to live it by doesn't
1: mean that, you know, you don't stand on their blood whilst they're bleeding. You know, that's, that's not what it means. Right. It means <laughs> don't ignore the pain that somebody don't has.
0: ignore the pain of others. Yeah. That's what I like to always, I, I took it as a way of like, take action.
1: It is a, a, um,
0: action. definitely when you see some, an injustice happening. And so, and I'm, I agree completely. I think that the, that there's, silence is so important to allow people who are experiencing what they're experiencing if we're if we're yelling then we're taking over the space for people who are actually experiencing it to be heard um but i just wanted how does that play a role in it but like there's a balance in my head i feel like of i want to speak out because i don't want to stand idly by but maybe that's not maybe speaking out isn't it, maybe that's more about action and less speaking,
1: more action. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. speaking, but is that an action anyway? Is that really an action? Is that communication? That's- is that, is that really, has it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, if 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 one person, you know, if if lot recha literally means that if somebody's drowning, you should dra- dive in to save them. What happens if there's already five people trying to save this person and by you down, uh, diving in, it's just going to cause more noise, more, you know, when you've got too many people trying to save someone, it can actually cause damage. You know, they're, they're dealing with it very fine. So, um, that's not the situation right now, according to many, but I believe that there's, we need to be listening much more than we are speaking. And if we are speaking, what we have to think, what is this actually going to achieve? What is this going to achieve? Is it going to help? Is it going to fuel the fire? Is it going to actually help? Is it going to produce anything? And if it is going to produce something, maybe, you know what, I would have preferred everybody, um, showing, showing an action as opposed to just words. I, I you know, I, I, would have, I would have seen that and I would have been like, you know, I would have been really impressed from that in, in a much higher scale. I, I just believe, and I don't want to get into this because whatever I'm going to say is going to be taken politically. Oh, You're on one side, but are we listening to the other side of the argument? Are we, it's, it's so political and it doesn't, you know, it's not, it's not an issue that we need to really delve into. Honestly, what we need to do is listen. It's not an issue whether is there really racism? Is that the language that's used systemic racism, not systemic racism? Do we need to, it's, it's not really an issue that we need to delve into that deeply from our perspective. We need to just listen. Personally, that's what I think. So um, there are views that from, from Black people that there's not. There are views from Black people that there is. So you have to listen. You have to listen well. I think that we're all speaking so loudly that no one can be heard. I think the real people that are making voices are not being listened to because everyone's making so much noise. How about that? Are there any other thoughts? Ideas. Should we go into more, delve into more, more into the concept of, um, I want to take you in deeper. I'm going to share you the screen, uh, deeper into the concept of the sound of silence. Now I've given this class before, so some of you might remember it, but it's, I only get, have an hour with, with everybody. So when I give a class on silence, it's a real topic. And in one hour, I can't cover nothing. I mean, something, maybe something, but nothing near to what really could be covered. So I'm going to share, share with you the screen. And I'm going to show you the sound of silence. Okay. I'm going to share that with you. Okay. That. Okay. So I'm just, I just want to give you the perspective that, that has changed today. And I can share this with you after it's on our website too, but, but, this perspective that don't ever forget the power of silence and when it's needed. Okay. Silence is such a powerful thing. I'm going to show you some of the quotes that I gathered on silence. I'm just going to get my um, pointer annotate here. Okay. So here's, here's a quote. It's better they tell you to speak up than they tell you to be quiet. That's in Orchot Zadikim. It's better that people tell you to speak up than people tell you to shut up. Right? Isn't that a great quote? At least you don't—you're not told to be quiet because that means you've really hurt somebody. But if—if you—if you're quiet, you're actually questioned of what you're really thinking. But the minute you speak up, you say something wrong. That's a—that's a—that's a problem. So it's better that you. That people tell you to speak up than tell you to be quiet. And I'm talking in cases where you don't know what to do or in cases where you're not sure what you should be saying. Then know that it's better to be, uh, to be quiet. Here's another quote. When I speak, my words control me. When I do not speak, I control my words. I bet you've never seen this one, but it's in Al Chutz I just translated it. It's a Hebrew book, which is written over a thousand years. We've got all the best quotes, by the way. You, you, you ain't need to go nowhere to look for good quotes besides for Torah. And here it is. When I speak, my words control me. You know why? Because what I said now, I have to answer for. I have to explain. I have to uh, make everybody happy with it. But if I don't speak, oh, who's doing that? If I don't speak, I control my words. Is that me? Um, no, don't do that. How do I stop? So When I speak, I control my words. And I think that that is a really important thing. Okay? Um, here's another quote. I'm going to just read three or four of these quotes because I think that these are really, really important to make you recognize the value of silence. This is Rabban Gamliel, who was the greatest, one of the greatest rabbis of our people. And he says, All my days I grew up amongst the sages. He was young and everyone was older than him and i did not find anything better for my body except silence and i wonder why he said the word body um but i believe that it's because uh it's not just about your soul it's about everything about you that 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 is improved through silence and basically what he's saying is that i become wise through silence by me being quiet i listen to others I have the opportunity to listen to those that are speaking and I actually become wise. If this is, this is another quote, which isn't written here, but something on the lines of, if I'm speaking, then I am not gaining. If I'm listening, I am gaining something on those lines. When, when I'm speaking, I'm not, in, I'm not absorbing anything. Am I absorbing any information when I'm speaking? I can't listen as I'm speaking. It doesn't work. But when I'm listening, I'm absorbing. So we want to absorb, a wise person learns from everybody. And we want to try and absorb as much information as possible in our lives so that we can come wise. That's what wisdom is, is having a a good accumulation of information so that you can actually choose the right reactions in the right situations. This is where wisdom comes. Okay. If, If words are worth $100, silence is worth $200. This is another Talmud quote in Megillah, meaning whatever you say is worth half of what you don't say. Now that's a crazy thought. Here's another point. You've got a bunch of people sitting in a room and one of them is foolish and he keeps quiet. Right? You're in a business meeting and you've got no clue of what they're talking about. And you stay silent, they will consider you as wise too. They'll say, ah, he's, he's, this guy's got something to say. Even a silent fool is considered wise. Do you want to know something else I've noticed? that This is a, just an observation of life, but I believe this is true. When you have somebody, when you're having a meeting with, let's say, 10 people, and there's one dude in the back who's always quiet, finally, when he has his point to say, everyone turns around to listen to him everyone listens to that person's point. He's now given a stall to really listen to because he's been so silent that finally, when that person actually speaks, we actually think, okay, this person's, you know, he's been listening till now. So he's probably wise. She's probably wise. I want to hear what they have to say. And they get the strongest attention. So the people that choose their words wisely actually get the most attention. I'm just trying to prove to you how silence in Judaism is such a value. It's such a value to us and never lose that value. Even if right now it is, there is a need to speak, but don't ever forget the value of silence. And we need to, we need to stand strong with it. There's much more here. Um, But, but I don't want to go into all the, all the quotes. I'll give you this sheet and I think it's worth it. You should take it, learn it and study it and repeat because it's for me. that's what I do. It's Musa, it's taken from this book. And me personally, I I read this all the time. I go, every single day, I'm learning Musa, some kind of ethical uh, teachings on on how I can become a better person. And a lot of it I've heard already, but I want to hear it again and again and again. Okay, so let me just show you four reasons that we need silence, okay? Based on what we said. The first is communication. This This is a fascinating, I think I wrote, oh, no. This is a fascinating concept and it's a Kabbalistic idea that words actually limit things. It's true that if I speak, I'm able to express myself and therefore I'm able to free myself. If I'm in pain, it says, <laughs> if you have pain in your heart, you should speak it out because that way it would, it would help you. So it's true. There it is this concept of, if you're in pain, you should speak in order to heal. That's, that's true. But there's also a very strong concept which we need to know about. And that's if if I speak, I'm limiting things. It's part of the reason why it heals me. But never forget that if I'm speaking, I'm actually limiting the situation. And I'll explain to you what I'm saying. If I, if I describe a scene, I go, I go to some place and I see a gorgeous view and i try and describe it my words you know you ever heard that saying it's too good for words to describe you know why because words are actually going to limit the description of what i'm seeing if i go to a, a the grand canyon and i see it for the first time i've never seen it yet i'd love to go but if i'm there and i see it for the first time that's a godly experience i'm, I'm just like in awe right and everyone's silent over there everyone's looking and they're just there's a lot of silence by the way at the Grand Canyon, no one's making noise when they're, I don't know, but that's what I've been told. When I go to great scenes, everyone's suddenly silent because we're just absorbing the, 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 the moment. So when I go to, if I was to go to the Grand Canyon and I would try and put it in words, it would never work. Somebody has a really good spiritual experience. They go on a great trip and they come back and they, their parents say to them, so how was the trip? Uh, I know that was great. What do you mean it was great? Can you tell me more? No, I I just can't put it into words. The reason why we can't put it into words is because whatever I say is going to actually limit the experience. The experience was so grand that no words can actually tell me how it was. No words can describe taste because by describing it, I'm limiting the taste. If somebody's not got taste and I try and describe it to them, I, I can't because... Whatever I'm going to say is going to limit the experience that I'm, that I'm going through. Does this make sense to everyone? Do you understand? So what I'm trying to say is that silence, according to Kabbalistic teaching, is, um, is a limitation of words. When we try and describe God, there's no words. We say, We say he's above all words of description because God's infinite. And if I put him into words, I'm limiting it. God created this world, according to Judaism, through words. He said, and it shall be, meaning he took the infinite and put it in a finite uh, reality through speech, because speech limits things. That's the, that's the essence of, of, of what Judaism means. We, we, we understand that everything we do through this world is actually limitation, limiting things. When I have a bad experience, it's so bad within me. If I'm able to speak it out, I can actually push it out and limit it out of my, of my, of my heart which is, which is taking too much. So it helps me, but don't think it frees me, but don't think that in general, that speech is something that limit that, that, that doesn't, that allows things to be opened up. It actually limits things. That's a very important concept. So four reasons we need silence. Number one is communication. I gave an example, if you're you're listening to a podcast and I've once heard a podcast where the guy cuts out every single second that's silent because he wants it to be as short as possible. So every second there's a breath, he cuts it out and it's literally like, it doesn't stop. And I realized to myself, Hey, it's not working. I need the silence because the silence allows me to absorb the information, right? So for the sakes of communication, silence is needed. I think these are all really interrelated. Really. I'm going to show you the next one's absorption, which is basically the same concept, but I've just put it, I've narrowed it down to four things. When I'm able to be silent, I'm actually able to allow real communication to happen. If, if, if two people are always talking, then there's no communication. This is just two people talking simple as that. It needs to communication only happens through uh, listening. Okay. I, I actually believe that that's one of the reasons that people resort to social media for their for their communication, because that way they're for, they are hundred percent able to, to speak. And the reaction, the listening can only come later. It's not that immediately, if someone doesn't agree with me, they're going to tell me, I don't agree with you. The reaction is, so I, I, I know that for sure my voice will be spoken. I think it's going to be for sure heard. I don't believe it's always heard, but that's another discussion. Okay, so communication. We, we're taught actually that silence is important to, um, to teach in what way? Well, if I, if I shorten my words and being silent with my words, then I'm a better teacher. A person should always teach in the shortest fashion. This is brought down in Maimonides and in the Talmud. We should always try and minimize our words because the more we try and say the words, the more confused we actually make people. It shows that I'm confused. I'm trying to constantly explain my words and it's confusing. If I'm able to put it into one simple sentence, that's a strength right there. And that's the best way of education. Um, there's, there's many. He says, this is Maimonides' word for word. If the idea is small, meaning the concept isn't that great, but the words are many, then this is foolish. Oops. My, my laptop is running out. Sorry. The laptop's going out. You hear that? If the idea is small and the words are many, then this is foolish. On this, Solomon says, the voice of the fool is with many words. So when I'm able to speak little, it proves a strength of my wisdom. It, it proves a better ability of communication. It actually, strengthens my communication. So I'm not going to speak about that anymore to prove my point and listen to my own words. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is absorption. Okay, um, by being silent, it allows me to absorb and process the information of the other person, kind of what we were saying. But here's, here's a great concept that when the Torah was actually given to the Jews, the entire world went silent. Everything went silent. Right? It's a bit like Lion King situation there at the beginning. So uh, the whole world was like you know, and it was, it was a great moment. So according to Judaism, the entire world was silent because the words of God was being heard. And um, here's some rules of making sure that you're listening. No planning on speaking. That's bad listening. That's brought down. That's bad silence. That's brought down by Ochot Sadiqim when you're thinking of speaking, and that's what you're thinking of when the guy's speaking to you or the girl speaking to you, that is a weakness. That's not good silence. It's like silence so that you can speak. There are people, wait, let me finish, let me finish. I'm just going to finish my sentence. And you see the guy's at edge uh, 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 the whole way through the rest of the sentence. You're not listening to a word that's coming out of that person's mouth. You're just thinking of when you can blurt your information. It, you're not listening. So listening means you're not planning on speaking right now. You're planning on actually listening. Uh, Listening means that you're not distracted with your phone or laptop or something else. And, um, there's another tip here. I wrote down preparing yourself to listen, meaning saying to yourself mentally, I'm actually going to listen to this guy right now. I'm going to listen. And actually you should know that the other side sees that most arguments come because they don't believe you're listening most argument you hear, by the way, you noticed how I was silent after I said that sentence, right? Cause that allows people to absorb what I just said. See how I, if I say silent, the information gets absorbed. It, the, if I'm always speaking, it's exactly what I'm saying. So preparing yourself to listen means that you actually think to yourself, I need to listen to this person when, when it works. When, when I'm actually listening, the other person doesn't feel that they need to repeat themselves. They feel that they're heard. By the way, a tip, which we mentioned in our dating series, to show that you're listening, if you feel that the person doesn't believe you, is to repeat the words that they said. That's all. That shows you listen the most. I'm telling you it works so well. So let me just, before you get onto your point, just let, before I say my answer, let me just see if I understood you well. Do this. Let me see if I understood you well. Basically, what you said is this, 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 then that, the other. And then they say, yes. Okay, great. Okay, I understood. Thank you. And then you say your thing. And now that they understood you, and they know that you understood them, boom, your your information is going to go through. There's not going to, you solve so many arguments based on this one concept. So you could just repeat. If you feel that the other side doesn't believe you. And this can actually happen in, with people in relationships. I've had someone ask me this before. They've, they say, I don't trust them. I know they don't listen, right? Because over the years, they've not built a trust in the relationship where they feel that the other side is really listening. That could, be, that could happen. And the way to heal that is to repeat the words. That's it, just repeat. And that really shows that you really listen and you got the information, okay? The third point here is wisdom the Talmud says Avot is brought down a safeguarding fence towards wisdom is silence so meaning to say that a step a step towards wisdom is silence no one became wise through speaking that's it period you never came wise through speaking you came wise through listening you could be a great skilled speaker but that doesn't prove your wisdom Your wisdom only came along because you listened. And that's why um, you take away the script from some of these news reporters. And then you realize, oh my goodness, who is this person, right? So that's, that's really the concept is just because you have a script in front of you doesn't mean that you are wise. What really means you're wise is if you're able to listen, that's the stepping stool to wisdom. Okay, here's seven things that are found in an uninformed, and unformed, it's called a golem in the Talmud, a person that's not complete. Seven things that are found in an incomplete person and seven are found in a very wise person. So here are the seven things. This is brought down in Pekar again. And it says like this, a wise person does not speak in front of someone who is greater than them in wisdom or number. Number meaning age poetic so a wise person doesn't speak in front of someone that is greater than them in wisdom or in number and i've seen that happen a lot today in our generation it actually says that towards the time of mashiach towards the end of the days and it says that the young there will be a lot of audacity and it says that the young will always always silence the older the the inexperience will would silence the experience thinking they have the answers to everything because maybe they read a few headlines on uh, on YouTube, which older people don't bother doing. So um, they think they know a bit more and they silence the elderly. That's a very bad value. So there goes the first thing, a wise person keeps silent in front of someone that is greater than them, either in wisdom or in age. Number two, does not interrupt the words of his friend or her friend. Okay. Does not interrupt the words of their friend. And that's really important. That shows your wisdom because it shows that you have been listening. You have adapted in your life, a culture of listening right now. It could be interrupting, but if you, if you if you're silent whilst your friend speaks, it proves that you are a listener. And that's the key to wisdom. Number three is not impulsive in answering, meaning that is a good question. You know what? Let me think about it. I'm not sure about what you just asked. I will get back to you tomorrow. That's actually something which we learned as rabbis and Rabbitson, me and Shira, that it's not a weakness to tell that to somebody. When we meet people and they ask us a question I do not have the answer for, I actually find that if I tell that person, can you please explain it to me a bit more? They love that. When I tell somebody, can you, can you elaborate that more? I'm, not, I'm really not well-versed in that idea. And they explain it to me. People love doing that. So even if I know somewhat a bit of it and I want to know a bit more, I, would, I love doing that to people that I meet. And by the way, if it sounds like, oh, I've built all these skills and I'm faking it, I'm not faking it. I really mean, I mean it when I tell that to people. But, but being impulsive in answering means also saying a response to a question that's asked to you straight away. Who says that you have to respond? Who says you need to post straight away? How many people post uh, messages and then delete them? Well, that's a shame. Shouldn't have done it in the first place or post the response and then deleted it. Well, that's a shame. You shouldn't have done it in the first place. Maybe, uh, maybe give it some time and don't be so impulsive in answering and then you wouldn't have had to do that. So a wise person does not respond straight away. And and the main reason for that is also because emotions at the beginning are very strong. Okay, number four is asked to the point and answers as is proper. Meaning this is very, very, this is very hard. I, I I have a lot of trouble with this one. Um, but if somebody asks me a question, you don't go off topic, right? You, you stay on topic and you don't answer something, which is kind of completely off topic to get to your point. Just, just get straight to the response. And sometimes we need to give a person a bigger context so that he can have the answer to the question. But in general, it's, you know, it, it, it's not veering off the topic completely. That's something which I find I do a lot and something which I try and work on, but it's important to be to the point and answering exactly as is necessary. Not, no more, no less. Okay. Number five is speaks the first point first and the last point last. Now this is a hard one, but this is something which is pointed out a number of times in the Torah, which I find very interesting why it stresses this so many times, but Uh, It does. It stresses this point many times. And if somebody asks you a number of questions, we are meant to ask answer according to the order of that person. I do not know the reason why. I think because it's based on what is the priority of that person that was asking it. If he asked you that question first, maybe it was his priority. He asks you that question in second, maybe that's because it's his second priority. So, I I think that's the reason it's also about being considerate. I, I still don't really understand why it's given such a stress in the Torah so many times throughout the teachings that there's this idea of answering first, first, second, second. Okay, number six admits he doesn't know if he does not know or she does not know. Okay, and um. Number 7 concedes to the truth this is very hard if you are wrong admit that you are wrong i am wrong i i thought differently but based on what you're saying it really does make sense i might need to think about that more but i will need to reconsider that information now that is something which is very hard to find in um in the argument of politics specifically because if i have a political stance I need to stand up for it. And if I'm wrong, it's very hard for me to uh, say, you know what, I really am wrong in that area. And it's very, very hard in politics because you're on two sides, you're either one side or the other. There's no other sides. So that's why I always believe whenever there is a communication, whenever there is a discussion, always make sure that politics is removed from that discussion so we can actually have a clear conversation. Okay, number four is connection is connection. What did I just say? Right. Number four is connection. The listener is affected by 7% of the actual words, 38% of the voice tone and 55% of the body language. So by me, listener, by me listening, I'm actually connecting to the person. I I personally feel that when I'm having a a conversation that goes really well, It's because I I feel that he's listening to me or she's listening to me and I'm listening to them. Listening means that there's a deep connection between the two sides. So the reason silence is so important is because it allows me to connect to the person that's in front of me. Okay, so these are all the reasons why silence is so important and it's a value to us so deep that I felt that tonight I need to speak about this so, so important. Okay. So one is communication. Uh, it allows me to communicate. It allows me to absorb the information. It allows me to gain wisdom and it allows me to connect on a deeper level with the person that I'm speaking to when I am silent. Okay. I'll leave that to you, uh, afterwards, uh, to study. I've got a whole bunch of other things that I wrote here. Okay. Here's a point. Silence that is bad. Meaning when should you actually speak? So. It's brought down in a number of places that it's two things. As long as it's going to be received, if you know that the person is not going to listen, then you shouldn't say it. It says, As much as there's a mitzvah to say words that will be heard, there is a mitzvah not to say words that will not be heard. We have a mitzvah in the Torah to rebuke people that do things which are wrong. So we should speak up when people do things wrong. However, if I know that they're not gonna be heard, it's actually gonna backfire. That person is going to get very upset with me. Okay, so as long as it's receivable, as long as the person can receive it, and as long as it's in a soft tone. If I need to shout my message across, then it's not gonna be heard. It says, The wise scholars, their words are heard pleasantly. The best teachers are the ones that speak soft. And they're heard in a soft tone. The worst are the ones that have to shout their information. I'm just a meter away from you. You don't need to shout that loud. But the reason why you're shouting that information is because you don't believe that the words are going to be heard. So if you really want these words to be heard, actually. Lower the tone. Okay, so these are the two uh, times that you need to make sure. These are two conditions to be able to speak is that it's going to be received. You know it's going to be received. And it's spoken softly. Answer a fool in accord with his folly. This is in Proverbs. valto, Answer a fool according to his stupidness. Else he will think himself wise. If somebody's saying something wrong, you should answer them. And I want to expound and ask you why you think it says according to their foolishness. What does that really mean? Else they will think that they are wise. They will think, oh, see how smart I was? So, certain points, we do need to actually answer them. And it's brought down in this book, or Chot Sadikim, The Path of the Righteous. He says that there are two times when this applies it's if people are joking about something, which is serious, if someone's mocking something, which is good or people that do good. So at that point we need to respond. Um, if, if somebody is making mockery of good, we need to respond saying, you know, that, that, that really, I I believe the best way to respond is to say that really is something that's important to me. And I prefer if, if that speech isn't done, about that, about that in general. I, it, that really hurts me. And I, most people actually listen to you when you say that. When you say that hurts me or that, that, really, that really touches me. Most people actually listen, it's, it's worth doing. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is if someone is committing a crime of the Torah, so if they're violating the Torah, um, and you know that they would listen to you. For instance, they don't know that on Shabbat, uh, we're not meant to use the phone in the rabbi's house. Then they didn't know, so right, shouldn't be just in the rabbi's house. But never mind, right? But they don't know, so that's a violation of the Torah, and we should actually speak up. So in those two areas, we should speak up. Now I leave it to you to translate this into the current situation. I'm not going to go down there because that is very political what you should be saying and what you shouldn't be saying. But I believe most of what was said was, ex- was too much and it should be minimalized big time. We should show empathy for sure, but that's as far as it should go, no more. Um, and that's, that's a point where silence is bad. I mean, these are the times when silence should be said, when you should be speaking. If the, uh, as long as the other person is going to be listening and you are going to do it in a soft tone. If you're angry and emotional about it, don't do it. And number one is if they are mocking something which is good or if they are committing or violating the Torah. That should have been a better translation, violating the Torah. Okay, so that's um, a point where silence is bad. I'll give you an example where you shouldn't be silent if someone's violating the Torah. If they're looting at 10 o'clock at night at Gucci store, it's probably better you should just go home and not tell them, oy, that's stealing. And the Torah says, don't steal, right? Not a good idea. You should probably just go home and stay home because they're not going to listen to you. Okay. They're not going to fill the concept of it's receivable. They ain't going to receive it. And some of them might take a gun out. So you just better be home. Okay. It's not receivable. Plus, you won't be able to say it in a soft tone because they're too busy smashing windows. For you to actually say it in a soft tone, you'll have to scream it out. So then it's not going to be heard. You better not say anything. So, for instance, I saw um, somebody opening a window and shouting at looters, and they started saying things at them. And I think that's a, a silly idea, because um, uh, not necessarily a silly idea. It's questionable, but. I'm not sure if those people are going to listen anyway and you might even hurt your own car as you're doing it. So I don't know if you're able to, and you know that you have the power to, then probably should, but otherwise probably not a good idea. But uh, that's to your judgment. Okay. Five common moments that lack silence. I'll give you these and then we'll leave it there. Okay. Five moments when we say things that we shouldn't have said it. Okay. This is really, really good and I think uh, you will like them, okay? One is by carelessly embarrassing someone. This happens a lot. Uh, when we say things that we don't know about the person, and then we find out that they uh, don't have it. So for instance, um, going to somebody and you don't know if they have kids or not, and you say, how many kids do you have? And he's, great and he's with his wife, and you don't know if they have kids or not. And you say, how many kids do you have? Well, what happens if they've been waiting for 15 years to have kids? And by you saying that can really hurt their feelings. So if it's unknown to you, maybe I should title that different. But if you could be embarrassing someone, then it, uh, it's probably best to be quiet. You look just like that dude. And that dude really doesn't is not a good guy, you know? Uh, you look exactly like whatever. And uh, I don't want to say names because then I'm going to get, someone's going to get offended. And get, right? But that's the point. The person they don't want to look like and you don't want them to look like, it's not a good idea. Okay. Or, dude, what happened to your arm? And they have something wrong with their arm. Just giving a very extreme example. But these are, these are points where obviously we should be silent and not say anything. Uh, sometimes we try and fix the mistake by saying, oh my goodness, I never knew you didn't have kids for 15 years. That's terrible, right? And that's just, you shouldn't be doing that either, right? Is anyone following me or not really? So, so if let's say you said something wrong and you said to someone who has for 15 years, never had kids and you said to them, well, how many kids do you have? And they got really embarrassed. And then, and then they said, well, actually we don't have children. And then you're like, Oh my goodness. Oh my no, oh, that's terrible. Right. And you, 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 the way you respond is exaggerated. Most times it's best to just move on and not dig deeper into the embarrassment of the situation. So probably should be, um, I, I actually, I don't know. I would like to ask you, when do you think you should fix it? If you make a mistake by saying something that embarrasses someone immediately afterwards, when no one's around, If you don't do it immediately, maybe it's gonna be more of a problem. What do you guys think? If you embarrass someone, when should you fix it?
0: You should fix it when you're in private
1: with them. I think so too, most times.
0: I think you should do it, it's really, I think you should do it, as Molly said, kind of like as soon as you realize that you made a mistake, but do it more privately.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Because I'm so sorry
0: that I, I really didn't like mean sorry. to. Yeah. I think it depends. There have been times where if I say something that would embarrass another person and there are other people around, I, I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but I've turned it back on myself and said like, I'm so if it's like the right situation, then like say something about myself that I'm not necessarily embarrassed of, but takes the attention fully off of them.
1: That's a good move. I like that taking on to yourself. Like I shouldn't, yeah, not I shouldn't have said that, but something on the lines of I'm an idiot or something. Well, I don't like saying that about myself, but yeah, but I definitely do say that sometimes. Anyone else? Okay. Let's move to the next point. Moments that lack silence. Reminding someone of their past. It says, Don't remind us. We're not meant to remind somebody of their early past, their young age. You remember the days when we were in Vegas doing this, that, and the other, right? And his, his newlywed wife is right next to him. Not a good idea. So it, we, have a, we have a concept in Judaism. Don't remind somebody of their earliest days or when they made mistakes right? This is a problem. Uh, I gave silly examples here, but that's, that's a good example. Um, here's an example that I think is really important and I've learned it from friends. If you know something already, so a guy comes running up to you, Whoa, did you hear what happened? And you were, you already knew it. Like Dave just got married and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know already. Yeah. That's old news. You know, that's, that's unfair. The guy's so happy to tell you, just say, what? Oh, that's amazing. It's really, really amazing. You know, maybe you can't, you have to be real. So you can't pretend that you're that excited, but you know, to say, yeah, that's old news. I think that's, you know, you don't have to say that. Um, yeah. Nothing. Okay. So, um, so that's another example um when arguments have been solved number four if a big argument has been solved do not jokingly remind the person how you were right and they were wrong you remember that time when we had that argument and i was so right about it and you were so wrong and my point was so to, my, my point was so odd